Hey, welcome. Believe it or not, the men podcast is still active. I got three compliments this last week on the podcast, and it reminded me that I haven't done one a month since I'd better set aside some time and get one recorded. So, I don't know how long this will be. But uh, the subject I want to use today, um, I've wrestled with a couple of different names for this podcast and the rant or subject matter that I'm going to have here. And the first one is just plain and simple. Fly fishing is hard. I had to actually look to see if I've done a podcast specifically with that as the topic, and I have not. The other one is uh, why you suck at fly fishing. Because there are lots of reasons people suck at fly fishing. And they're probably not the reasons you think. So I don't know. I haven't decided which it's going to be. And I mean that second one, why you suck at fly fishing, quite endearingly, because I have dedicated my adult life to helping people not suck at fly fishing, because I want you to be the best angler you can be. I genuinely mean that. So, uh, fly fishing's hard. Uh, I think one of the biggest lies in in modern fly fishing is that fly fishing is easy, and I try so hard to, to present fly fishing as something like achievable, like, hey, yes, you can do this. But not fill people full of baloney that it's easy. Um, it's not even easy for me. Uh, I I have a hard time catching fish sometimes. Uh, even on my home river, I can't just walk out and catch a fish all the time. That's a complete fallacy. Uh, sometimes I shoot a lot of videos that I delete. Um, they never get. I, I they're not productive enough, or they're not quite right, or I had a hard time getting you know something recorded correctly um, because fly fishing is hard. And sometimes I suck at fly fishing, so it's a challenging sport, but that's also the same reason that folks like you love fly fishing so much is because not everybody can be good at it. Nobody can just take a fly rod and decide, well, I'm now going to be a good fly fisherman. Uh, It's not something you can't even just put the hours into it short term because you need different weather patterns and different seasons and different adventures and different destinations to explore before you can kind of wear that badge of being a proficient fly fisherman or a good fly fisherman. So we're just going to talk about today about fly fishing being hard and that it's baloney. If anybody tells you it's easy, it's not. Um, you need to put time in. You're going to put some miles on your car. You're going to put some miles on your feet. Uh, you're going to have a lot of failure on the way, but it's so incredibly rewarding when you plan something like you plan a day and you say, hey, I'm going to go to X destination and here's the, the tackle setup that I'm going to use. I'm going to use a sinking, you know, I'm just speaking figuratively here. I'm going to use a sinking line that's an intermediate sink rate so that I can get a leech pattern down and I can move it very slowly uh, through this lake that I've done a little research on. Um, and I'm going to use this sp- specific type of swimming nymph for a leech because I know that to be a stable food source in this lake and I've read some fishing reports and I've I've learned how I'm going to move that leech in an undulating fashion. I've learned uh, tactics on how to count in my head, you know, 1, 1,000, 2, 1,000, 3, 1,000, and let that fly sink to a known depth before I retrieve it. I've practiced my cast. I've honed my skills. I've looked at satellite imagery of the lake to help me get a better idea of what it looks like before I get there. And you get to that lake and a whole plan comes together, you catch some beautiful trout, and it's just sweet. Um, 
And that trip could be anywhere. It could be in a faraway place or it could be a new strategy on your home water. And it's so great when it comes together. But more often than not, it doesn't come together. The wind blows, your cast sucks, you get blown around in your float tube or your boat or there's, it's too brushy to cast from the shore and you struggle. I know all you've done that. I've done that. It's hard. So it's not, fly fishing isn't something we can't just make a decision. I'm going to be good at it this year. Um, it's a multi-year plan. And, uh, you know, if you live in the Northwest, think about our University of Fly Fishing. Our University of Fly Fishing is like, it's a multi-year or multi-season kind of investment. It's not super expensive. It's a good value, especially when you enroll. But whether you get in our university or not, think about your fly fishing is like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be good at it in a couple of seasons. And then, you know, don't get down or frustrated when things don't go your way. They don't go, they don't go my way all the time. I've been on some really tough trips and some tough days. I don't think anybody's had their butt handed to them by a fishery more than me. It's going to blow. It's going to be windy. It's going to be rainy. It's going to be muddy. So fly fishing's hard. So that's kind of the premise of it. Now, if you feel sometimes like you suck at fly fishing, uh, and I, I feel that way sometimes too. Trust me, there are things I can't do, and I'm I, in the next couple of seasons, I'm going to work on a couple of those um, those things. One is I can't swing. I cannot catch fish swinging soft tackles worth a darn. I know other people do it. They do it in other parts of the world a lot, uh, and uh, I'm just not very good at it. Um, and so I'm going to try to get better at that. Kind of suck at it. I'm not great at traditional spay casting. I mean, super long heads, uh, traditional single spay casts with 60 foot heads. I'm not good at that. I need to get good at that. So there are disciplines I'm definitely not conquered or mastered. Uh, in fact, I suck at them. But that's neither here nor there. Let's talk about you. So part of today's podcast was spawned by, I had five newbies, uh, just a bunch of dudes showed up in the shop this morning and, and I saw the guys when I was driving into the shop and they were down wading, uh, wade fishing all together as a group and they were in not good water. They weren't in productive water. Uh, one guy didn't even have waders. He was wading in jeans and the water's freezing and he was in there at about seven forty-five in the morning. So I could tell right away, these dudes are real enthusiastic. Well, about 45 minutes or an hour later, these boys come rolling in the shop and, uh, they're just, they're, they're super green, but they're, they're younger dudes and they're stoked to just have a chance. Right. And it kind of got me thinking, and I got these guys laid out and initially uh, their questions in the store were like very technical, like, Oh, should we be Euro nymphing? And I'm like, after chatting with them, I'm like, no, man, you guys got to keep, you know, you got to keep it simple. Like you got to keep it super simple so that most people have a couple of different problems and it's not like the knots they tie or the fly they use necessarily or even their cast. It's just this overarching understanding that fly fishing needs to be efficient. You need to move around these big wild places efficiently. And if you're spending too much time looking and worrying about your tackle, you're going to miss all sorts of opportunities like reading water better and understanding where the fish live and when they live in certain spots, how to present a fly to those spots. And so I'm going to post a video on YouTube tomorrow and I'm about, I'm parked on the side of the highway doing this podcast and I'm looking at a piece of water and I'm going to go down and I'm going to fish it and then I'm going to post it on YouTube. Okay. And I, doesn't matter. I may not catch a fish, but I'm going to post it anyways because fly fishing's hard. Uh, 
and I, I showed these guys a setup of just keeping it super simple. Um, just a simple single fly nymph rig that is going to keep them looking at the water and reading currents and reading their drifts so that they can get better at the angling component of it and worry less about the tackle component of it because the tackle should just be a given. And, uh, there are lots of different strategies you can, and, and I've, I, I seem to have mastered getting people intrigued by these varying strategies, which is good. A fresh challenge always keeps you jumping out of bed in the morning after you've been fishing a long time. But it's very distracting um, to beginners or people who don't feel like they're very good fly fishermen because they simply haven't had the kind of success that they think they're supposed to have. Uh, and one, their expectations might be off, but two, they might not be having the success that they should have. So, uh Think about your angling strategy and think about tempo. Uh, most people struggle at fly fishing because they don't have angling tempo. And tempo is uh, the first thing if I were to train a guide from scratch, and I don't care if it's a boat guide or a wading guide, is just teach angling tempo. And angling tempo is where you're in the river and you're moving your fly about the river efficiently. And that doesn't mean a long cast doesn't necessarily mean a long drift. It means we're getting very, very uh, manageable bite-sized presentations consistently and fluidly within the river. We're just going to use a river for this example, okay? And tempo is really critical. And there are a lot of threats to tempo, okay? And these are the biggest threats that you have in your angling game. And it's why a lot of you are listening to this or struggling, okay? Uh, Angling tempo can get disrupted by a lot of different things. One, a tangle, right? A tangle is terrible. Uh, two is overanalysis on tackle. So complicated rigs that lead to spending way too much time tying up tandem nymph rigs, uh, tandem flies in general, changing flies too much, changing strategies too much. I see it all the time. When do and I watched a do-it-yourself boat come by just a moment ago. I'm parked over the river, and the rower was not. They just weren't in harmony. I watched them, and they just were not in harmony with one another. The guy's casting at the wrong time. The boat's canted sideways, not parallel with the current. It's just not working. When I see do-it-yourself rower or boat anglers, they switch rowers way too much, and the rower doesn't realize that they play a more critical role than the caster. And in order to create good boat tempo, your rower and your angler need to work really well together. So just a little tip if you're uh, if you're a boat owner and you row for each other, don't switch rowers every 10-15 minutes. Switch rowers like every hour. If you really want to do a great job and you're physically able to, do a half a day. So have one rower row a half a day in the morning and have another rower row the other half a day in the afternoon so that you guys can get in sync and work together. Other threats to tempo are snagging your fly in the brush. Um, and so that really comes to like developing and, and taking a deep breath, slowing down a little bit, and developing a strategy to where you're keeping your fly out of the trees. So maybe you're learning what's, you know, how to, how to lob the fly upstream to change directions and then recast on a river. Uh, the section I'm going to go fish, I'm not even going to probably get in the water. I'm probably going to stalk through the grass and right through the edge of the bushes and fish really close to myself at my feet. Like I said, you can go check out the 
the video, it's going to be something like, uh, you know, nymphing made simple or beginner-friendly nymphing or something like that. But uh, the threats to tempo are really uh, critical. Another threat to your angling tempo is going to be snagging bottom if you're using streamers or nymphs. And snagging bottom is, I see that a lot in anglers that are kind of in that intermediate range. They, you know, some, some of these anglers might think they're really, really good. And some of them are even guides, you know, or our guides. Uh, uh, we fall victim to this too. Um, you know, we can do things that infect tempo and that is snagging bottom. Uh, I, I feel like the more experienced and the more capable guide knows just how much to flirt with the bottom uh, when throwing a nymph setup. It doesn't have to be as heavy as you think. We need to get in that bottom half of the water column, but if you're snagging up consistently and losing a lot of flies, I truly believe you're doing it wrong. And I know that goes against a bunch of these old cliches that, that, that suggest you need to be snagging bottom regularly with your nymphs. I just don't find that to be true because it infects tempo. I can't cover water very efficiently, delicately, or with much stealth when I'm constantly snagging the bottom and ripping that line through the water column. Now my, if I'm using a strike indicator, now my strike indicator is ripping around on the surface making a lot of noise. That has a very adverse effect on my tempo and my stealth at the same time. So don't snag bottom. The next threat that I'll mention is just going to be how you, uh, if you're wade fishing, is how you move your feet. Uh, especially with, with like short, let's just say short line nymphing. Uh, short line nymphing would be described in, in my opinion as uh, it wanted to one of two things and it's just like it sounds um either one i'm having a very short line between say strike indicator uh or maybe a hopper dropper but it's a very short compact nymph setup and also a very short cast um i'm short line nymphing i don't have a lot of line on the water it's very critical that my feet are moving regularly and i might only take a quarter or half a step every cast or two but what happens when anglers get stagnant what ends up happening is they might be putting that fly right on a trout's head if they're in decent water. And if you put the fly on the trout's head more than once or twice before you move, say, upstream uh, a little bit and get it above the trout, uh, you're going to show the fly to the trout way too many times. And even a smaller fly, if it's a beadhead or it's flashy, the trout are seeing that stuff pretty much every time. They don't miss much. And so whether we're working upstream or downstream, it's critical that we keep our feet moving just a little bit. And uh, trout tend to tolerate your presence when you move very slowly, especially it's very windy today. Um, and there's a lot of bushes whipping around. There's a lot of movement. And the trout will probably tolerate my rod moving near them um, and pass it off as wind. Uh, the bushes are moving quite a bit, so they're going to be much more tolerant of me. There's a little bit of wind chop on the water, so I can get relatively close to the trout uh, without pushing those trout off. So foot movement is critical to your tempo of just keeping moving. Uh, the other thing about tempo is uh, larger flies. Uh, if I'm fishing, uh, say I'm swinging a streamer on a sink tip, and I'm swinging the streamer, the larger my fly, generally the quicker my tempo needs to be. So just picture this. So let's just say I stumble down the hill here and I get in the river, which I'm going to do in a few minutes, and I throw my streamer out and I swing it in current. And I imitate a bait fish swimming across the river 
looking for a good place to live. And let's just say there's a, there's a trout 10 feet downstream of my location. And I swing through there. And the trout sees the streamer uh, or the sculpin. But I throw two and three and four more swings before I step down. Now the trout has seen that streamer two, three, or four times. My goal is really to show the streamer within the trout strike zone just once. And so it's critical that I, I swing or present that large fly. It could be a large dry fly. It could be a large nymph. But the point is I need to try to catch that fish on the first cast. Okay, so uh, larger flies require a little bit of an increase in your angling tempo. Smaller flies, you should still be moving along presenting them on a really quick, repeatable um, presentation. Another thing, just witnessing anglers, you know, in my clinics and just friends of mine. I mean, I believe it or not, I do have some friends. Uh, and my friends will fish, and I try not to guide them and tell them what to do. We're supposed to be out there chilling and relaxing. But I see a lot of my friends, like when we're running it, just say a nymph presentation, because that's where it gets the worst, is, they try to feed a ton of weight, generally try to feed way too much line downstream below them. Once you, once you get back or up tension on that nymph rig, just let that presentation end really gracefully <clears throat> and get that tempo going again. Get a fresh cast, get a fresh, nice slack line dead drift presentation, and don't try to nurse that drift back to health. Once that thing comes tight, just let it end with a little dignity Try to do a little better on the next one, but I see a lot of people break their tempo with these ridiculous line feeds. Certainly, there's time in in long, deep, you know, long, deep, big seam lines. Yes, there's times where you can feed a lot of line downstream, but on average, I would say overfeeding the line is a real issue. What I want you to do is you digest the podcast here. Um, I'm going to kind of wrap it up because I'm going to go make this video thing, but. Take some of the advice about tempo, and next time you get to the river, I really want you to look at it and go, hey, am I moving efficiently around the river? Am I having fun? Is this rod a joy to cast? Is this tackle too heavy? Is it too clumsy? You should be moving quite fluidly around. You shouldn't be snagging bottom. If you're snagging trees behind you regularly, take a good look at whatever, whatever casting strategy you're using and get a little, develop a system that's repeatable so that you can get in tempo. There's lots of different ways to do it. There's no one-size-fits-all formula for these situations. Um, the other thing, too, is my casting was not developed really on the river. My casting was developed on the lawn. And learning how to load a rod, I can get, in, in an hour, I can get three to four to five hundred really good casts and in, in repeat in a repeatable environment where I'm not distracted by tangles or snagging or branches. I can get that done in the lawn very quickly, and I can get a lot better at casting a lot quicker in a practice environment. So I would also encourage you to spend a little bit of time pre-gaming and working on your cast in a casting environment. Because I can get, like I said, I can get hundreds of casts in an hour in a casting environment. When I'm in a fishing environment, I'm not trying to just get lots of casts. I'm trying to get lots of drifts. So my, my MO is going to change. And uh, one cast, 
it might be different from one to the next and I can't really look at like my elbow position and my rod position and stuff while I'm fishing because all of my cognitive thought, effort, and focus really needs to be drilled down into presenting that fly. So, uh, you, you know, in closing, make sure you're having fun out there. Fly fishing's hard. Enjoy the process. Fish in a way that you enjoy, that you like. Fish with good tempo. And I promise you guys, the catching will take care of itself. Go check out that YouTube video. If this gets uploaded first, go subscribe to our YouTube channel so you get a notification that, hey, you know, the, the video's been uploaded. But I'm going to show you a, a, a super simple Nymphrig that promotes good tempo. It won't be the last Nymphrig you ever use, but it'll be a great one to experience that joy of kind of fluid fishing along the shoreline that I would like you to employ each and every time out. So good luck. Uh, we'll catch you on the flip side.